happy holidays, happy Hanukkah, happy everything that you celebrate, Kwanzaa, Festivus, I don't care. This is Dave Stevens coming to you from the home office in Bristol, Connecticut, from the land of the misfit toys, and why not? I'm one of the biggest misfits out there. Uh, but let me bring in my other misfit uh, toy from the land of uh, Duluth, Minnesota, where it's much, much colder. He knows where those uh, misfit toys come from. Troy Geary. Troy, how are you doing tonight, my friend? I'm doing. I'm a little cold, Dave, but I'm doing great. Yeah, and you can tell that uh, you're all dressed up and bundled and everything. And uh, we here in Connecticut, it's still not uh, too much like that. But uh, from that Christmas music you hear in the background, that means we are in a very festive mood. And tonight, I want to celebrate. I'm just going to go ahead and bring in our guest tonight. Uh, he's only a three-time NBA champion. He played with a little team called the Chicago Bulls back in the day. And uh, he also played his college ball at Iowa. He had his number retired. Uh, now he's an agent. Uh, I've got a commercial I'm going to embarrass him with a little bit later. He's been all through <laughs> everything in his league. But uh, BJ Armstrong joining us. Uh, BJ, thanks for taking some time to join us tonight on uh, Geary Stein at Stevens. Well, man, I really appreciate it. It's been a long time coming. And uh, I had some uh, technical difficulties, I think, last week. But I'm here this week. So it's all good. Uh, pleasure to be here. And by the way, I'm feeling really bad. You guys are in the, the holiday spirit. And I have yet to uh, get started yet. So, uh, But I have hey, a couple yeah. of days. You've, you've got the white and the green behind you. I see Larry Bird and Magic Johnson and Michael Jordan. So we'll we'll give you a pass on who has the better background for the show. Uh, Troy, me, or you. But, uh, man, dude, right out of the gate, I got to say, do you ever age? I mean, you have looked young from when you were at Iowa. So it's like, what what's your secret to your beauty? I, I wish I had secret, just good genes from my parents. So I got to thank my parents for that. And uh, I have no idea, but, uh, you know, it's been around a long time. I wish I felt the way uh, the way you just mentioned here, but I'm I'm 55 and I definitely feel it. Wow. <laughs> you, you don't look at it. And it makes me feel old when I remember being at ESPN and, and we had to cover you. You guys hated ESPN because it was always we were always trying to dig up stuff on you guys or stir the pot or, you know, right. everything like that. But uh does it seem like it was that long ago that you were a, a part of s such an amazing run? Well, it, it does. It, it really does seem like a long time ago and watching the game, because I'm always trying to stay current and how the game is played and you're watching the game evolved in the way it's played today and the way these guys shoot the three, the, the, the pace at which the game played. So it seems like an eternity, you know, when we when he's out there playing and looking at those photos, you go, wow, that, that was so long ago. But it's a great game today, and uh, I'm enjoying watching it. Those were fun times playing against those, you know, Nick teams and the Bulls, and the, the the Pistons, and all of those times. So, you know, those are great times, great memories. And uh, but I enjoy watching the game today and watching these guys play. I mean, you watch Steph Curry and all these guys the way they play. You go, what you know, what an exciting time, and just makes you wonder what would it be like to play in today's game. So. And it's great as we're watching you play against James Worthy and Magic Johnson and all these legendary names. And there's this little number 10, B.J. Armstrong, uh, who, you know, you proved you belonged in the league. But uh, do you still kind of pinch yourself to, to, to say, hey, I was a part of something that will probably never happen again in the NBA? I mean, you can't. It's tough enough to repeat, let alone three-peat, just to get there one time. I mean, it, it, it's still got to, you know, be in your brain how lucky you were. Well, those were great teams. Those were a special group of guys. And, uh, you know, just sometime, you know, you, you you find yourself in the right situation at the right time. And certainly I was the beneficiary uh, of, of being a part of a great group of guys where we all came together at that particular time in our life. And we had a single focus and a single mindset. And uh, we wanted to give it a shot. And certainly it started with our best player who was Michael Jordan unquestionably but we had great coaches great leadership internally within whether it was Bill Cartwright you know Phil Jackson and everyone was committed to that single focus and you know we talk it you talk about it I wish I had it bottled up and could tell you what it is but you just know it when you see it and um, I remember when I first came there I knew something was a little different and the way we approached every day you know winning in this league is very hard but showing up to win every day is probably the most difficult thing. But it was a group of guys 
that were willing to do that and pay that price every single day. And fortunately for us, we had an opportunity uh, when it presented itself and uh, we were able to take advantage of it and we did win. So it was just a very special time. I, I, again, I never imagined that they would happen like that. I always thought that I had a chance maybe someday to play in the NBA, but to be able to achieve that, I, I couldn't have pictured that or even fathomed that in my wildest dreams. But certainly it must have been somewhere because when I saw it, I went for it. <laughs> I want to ask you about the last dance you were featured on episode eight uh, for your game two heroics when you played for Charlotte against the Bulls. Can you talk about that game and then uh, the, the games afterwards and uh, just how much fun it was playing against Michael Jordan? Well, yeah, you know, every game, you know, what I remember most about playing in the NBA is every game presented a new challenge. And, you know, I, I wish I would have put more emphasis on one game than another, knowing that this game meant more. That, that was just a big challenge for us at that particular time. The Bulls were the best team in the in the league. All right. And uh, we certainly felt pretty good about, you know, who we were as a team. But, you know, every game, you know, you, I just love the challenge. When you play in the NBA, it's just the challenge, right, uh, of playing in the NBA. You're playing against the best players. You're playing against players who, you know, you know, everyone thinks that they are the best you know, in the league, they think they're the best at their position. They think they have the best team. So I was just playing a game like I would normally play and you accept the challenge. And that's the thing that you do. And uh, that's the thing that I remember about every time I, you know, came out to play is that I wanted to accept that challenge. And you accept that challenge every single night. And uh, so I wish I could have put more emphasis on it. I wish it, that game meant more to me than any other thing. It made good theater for the last dance, but you know, <laughs> when you when you play every game, right? There's a great player every single night, and you just got to go and and find those challenges. And certainly, you know, the challenge was going to be you know, was it was you know, like Michael was going to be Michael no matter what. But you know, every night you you got to find a way to go out there and get yourself into the game. And uh, so, you know, it was just another game. I know it sounds cliche, but truthfully, that's what it was. We always build up to that in the folklore. It still is to the, <laughs> you know, and, and you know, they needed some of that, but you know, it was a great documentary to watch, but, but you know, I've been around locker rooms all my life and inside, we didn't get everything, you know, of what went on and all those kind of things, you know, uh, you know, cause like nowadays, they tape practice and you can see a teammate punching somebody and then you got controversy. But, um, you know, I, I was wondering if, if, if the last dance or at least the first half of that had been produced by BJ Armstrong and not through the eyes of Michael Jordan, would that have been a different show to watch? Well, you know, I wish I would have known that our life, my life was that interesting. I had no idea that anyone cared, right? You, you know, you went to practice, you know, to me, there was nothing out of the ordinary um, that was said. I mean, I, I think the big thing is people want to hear, you know, from Jordan, right? And, and the reason I say Jordan, it, what makes it interesting, what makes it fascinating is because you know, coming up through that era, he wasn't considered like the greatest player at that particular time. You know, that was Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. And you saw the evolution of this player just evolve into this unstoppable force. And suddenly, before we knew that he was perhaps the greatest player of all time, he had already he was already into the the heart and thick of his career. It wasn't like when he first came into the league. You know, like today, people say this player is going to be the greatest player. Now you're, you know, it was like six, seven, eight years into his career. Where all of a sudden people were like, hmm, this guy's pretty good, <laughs> you know, and, and all of a sudden he could be. And then, OK, he won one. Can he do it again? And then before you know it, you know, he was on a roll that no one could stop. So, you know, I, I just think when you when you when you see great players and you see great talent and you see this. Today, we're so fast and we're so quick and we live in a society now where everything is, you know, we want to say who's the greatest, who's going to be the greatest instead of allowing that player to mature or accept that 
that pressure, accept that responsibility, but more important to accept that challenge. You know, that's a big challenge when you start saying the greatest and having to prove that, you know, it's one thing to talk about. It's another thing to go out and do it. So, you know, just a different time, different era. For listeners that don't know, you grew up in Michigan. Can you talk about your recruiting process and how you ultimately decided on the University of Iowa? Yeah, well, uh, you know, going to Iowa, it was simple. Um, you know, Michigan was really good, and I, I probably wouldn't have played a lot there in my first couple of years. And then uh, Michigan State, they had this guard by the name of Scott Skiles, who was clearly one of the best players in the Big Ten. I think he was like a sophomore or something at the time. And um, so I'm just looking to really find a place that I could call home and give myself a chance. And uh, I went out there to visit and it just fit me. I had I had I, I just every visit I, I took or I was able to go on, I just did it with an open mind. And when I went out there to Iowa, I remember it just felt like home. So uh, I was always been a second home to me. They've been great to myself and my family. I try to get back there at least once a year. So uh, and, and have an opportunity to play in the Big Ten, right? Growing up in Michigan, I always followed the Big Ten, Michigan and Michigan State and Ohio State. And uh, so to be able to play in the Big Ten was a was a thrill of a lifetime and have an opportunity to play was was great. You had a great education. So it really fit everything that I was looking for. And uh, it turned out to be probably one of the best decisions I've ever made. I mean, what did it mean? I know you've been in the NBA and you've played against the best, but to get your number retired and, and, you know, and to be in that echelon at your own college, I mean, what did that mean to you? Well, you know, just such wonderful people. And um, what those, you know, anytime something happens uh, for me like that and get a number retired, I think of all the people in my life that played a part for me to get there, right? I think of my parents, I think of all the coaches, all of the teammates, my neighborhood, all of the coaches that I had playing in youth league. So it's a really a, a, a thank you to all of those people more so than myself. I mean, I, I know I, I received the award and my name and Jersey, but truthfully speaking, it's all those people, right? My family, having my, my kids now, you know, the, you know, my kids like, dad, did you really play in the NBA? <laughs> you know, my kids, they don't believe it. Right. I'm just dad. So for them to actually see it, and, and, and it means a lot to all of the people around me. So every time I go there and I'll look up and I'll see a jersey or see something that I was able to achieve as a basketball player or anything that I've achieved in my life, I always think of all the people that helped me get there because it's it's just more than me. So uh, I'm just very thankful that I was fortunate enough to have great mentors, great coaches, great teammates and have an opportunity as a young kid who just had a dream, right? I just had a dream that, that I wanted to be the best player I could be and never knew where it was going to take me. But um, it really, it was a life changer for me in, in many regards. It allowed me to see the world and experience things that I never dreamed I would experience and do the things I was able to do. And here I am 50 something years later, I'm still talking about basketball. So it, it's it's been a great ride and uh, I've just, I've I've enjoyed it. As a kid, I'm enjoying it as an adult, and I'm still talking about it. Well, uh, we're glad you're here. Three-time NBA champion B.J. Armstrong joining us on the Geary Stein and Stevens. We'll come back. We'll talk a little more about his memories of the NBA and uh, maybe pick his brain about some of these current players. So don't go away. we got to pay some bills. Merry Christmas, Pete. Merry Christmas, Mom. I think there's one more present for you. It's a Manscaped package with lotions and sprays and trimmers. And where's the lawnmower? Hey, there's a note. Dear Pete, may you have a Merry Christmas and a smooth New Year. Oh! Shop now at manscaped.com. Hi again, everybody. Dave Stevens from the Geary Stein and Stevens Show. And, you know, I'm on the road a lot covering professional teams like the Philadelphia Eagles here in this beautiful stadium, but I don't have a lot of time to eat. What I do use, though, is Athletic Greens One. It's a great supplement that you can use every day to get that nutrition that you're missing. And you know what? If you're drinking those energy drinks, those monster drinks, those add up where this costs just $3 a day. It's got over 75 vitamins and nutrients in it that it would take you so many pills and bottles to take but it's all right here. You just put a couple of scoops in with the water. You mix it up with either lemon juice or what I like to use with frozen 
uh, fruit. It tastes great. It makes you feel good. And, of course, it is going to make you live life better. So, Athletic Greens 1. If you want more information, go to athleticgreens.com backslash GSS. They'll give you a year's supply of vitamin D if you go to that website. So continue to follow Stephen Stein and Gary or Gary Stein and Stevens wherever you go. But make sure you're taking Athletic Greens 1. All right, welcome back to Gary Stein and Stevens in our second segment. Uh, joining us, three-time NBA champion B.J. Armstrong, who played for the Bulls and the Hornets and the Magic. He returned to Chicago, and I guess technically I could say Golden State, uh, yes. you know. But uh, tell us a little bit about that. As a player, when, you know, people are expecting you, you're this big star, and suddenly they give this expansion draft. I remember because the Minnesota Timberwolves picked off a couple of guys while I was there, right. you know, Pooh Richardson and those guys. And you've already been part of something huge. You don't want to go to rebuilding. So what was that thought process when you went to Golden State or obviously didn't go to Golden State and ended up, uh, you know, uh, I'm sorry, for Toronto and then going, to, right, Golden going to Golden State? Well, what, you just threw a name at me, uh, you know, Pooh Richardson. I, I, remember, I can remember the broadcast, the late, great Stuart Scott. He would always say, knock, knock. Who's there? <laughs> you know, yeah. I can when you said that, I can I can remember that. Who Richard said was you know, he still is a good friend of mine. So uh um what was it like? Um you know, my 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 dream, if you will, was to play in the NBA. And I just wanted to experience every phase and every aspect of the NBA. And I've been fortunate enough to play um as an executive now as an agent so i'm just experiencing i worked in the media i worked at espn at some point all of us worked for espn at some point in our career so i've experienced a lot of aspects of this sports entertainment industry so uh, for me playing in the nba was a thrill of a lifetime and um I was just happy to learn everything, right? I experienced the highs of this league. I experienced what it was like to be picked in the expansion draft, being the first pick of the Toronto Raptors at that time, then going to a team that was trying to get into the playoffs, the Golden State Warriors, get back to where they were at once at one time. And then I got traded to play for the um, Charlotte Hornets, and go down there and play and get back into the playoffs. And so I experienced the entirety of what the NBA had to offer. And that was great. That was, I mean, I learned every step of the way. I can't tell you one was better than the other. Obviously, more people like to talk about my experience there in Chicago, right? Everyone loves a winner. But truthfully speaking, my most valuable experiences were the ones where I did win because I got a chance to see the real NBA. And, you know, great players like a Jordan, like a Pippen and those guys, you know, they, you know, they, they're good. They're, they're exceptionally good. Every player is really good in the NBA, but there are exceptional players. And certainly those two, along with a, a, a great number of other players, you know, the Magic Johnsons, Larry Bird, you can see those guys, these guys, you know, have an opportunity to play every single night against one of these guys. Right. <laughs> it was just a thrill for me. And um, just like one I cherish. So I learned so much and I'm still learning today. And uh, to be a part of the NBA, even in the capacity that I am, is great because I get a chance to see it. I still go to games. I still talk to players and talk to coaches and executives, how to build teams. So it's a it, it's a lot of fun. Well, I think I lost you there. What's your volume? Sorry about that. We have a little issues with Troy. He'll pop back in. Let's see if you're there. Troy, do we have you? We've we've lost Troy's audio for some reason. I, I don't know why he was just there. Uh, but BJ, while we're trying to get Troy back in, uh, okay. you, you mentioned being an agent. Mm -hmm. And what is that like uh, to go from a player to somebody who has to look out for the best interests of those players. Sometimes if those players uh, don't think it's in their best interest. Well, you, you know, the, the one thing that, that really 
got me interested in possibly doing something like becoming an agent was I began to see how young the players were coming into the league. And, you know, most of the players back in that era, they were going to school for a minimum of two, three, four years. So there was some experience that you had, not only as a player, but as a person, things you've experienced, right, uh, on a college campus before entertaining the idea of turning professional and coming into a professional organization and playing and understanding the business aspect of sports. So for me, it was just seeing where are these young people going to learn this business, right? You don't just... You know, they're not on a college campus. They're not playing abroad in, in Europe like you or Europe or, you know, international basketball like you see so many players are. Where are our young players talking about the domestic players going to learn how to play other than coming to the NBA and just playing and really just relying on their talent to carry them through until they really understand the balance that it takes be, before you become a great player? You know, you got to understand the 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 business part of this. So for me, it was just a matter of accepting that challenge and saying, you know what, if I was a young kid at 18 and suddenly for whatever reason, I chose to come to the NBA, where am I going to learn? <laughs> Who am I going to learn? Who's going to help me to get where I need to be? Because I'm not going to learn it just at practice at an NBA practice. I have to learn and get caught up to speed on the other aspects of this, which is the, the personal side of the business, which no one talks about. So to me, it was just a just a natural progression, a natural flow to what needed to happen because you're seeing so many young people, you know, make this move. But really, when you look at it, where are you going to learn how and what's expected of you once you make that decision? So it was just a natural, you know, for me, it was just a natural thought of, of understanding all the challenges I had to face. And I went to school for four years and there were a lot of things I didn't know then. I couldn't imagine what that would be like if I had, you know, made that decision at 18. I want to ask you about the 1994 All-Star game. Can you hear me, BJ? Yes. Yeah, I okay. hear you. I hear you. Uh, you were you were one of the top vote getters and you named a starter. The game was right down the road from me here in Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about that experience and what was that weekend like? Again, it was one of those things where, you know, every year, you know, my dad and I, we would watch the All-Star game. You know, it's kind of like our thing that we would always do. You watch the All-Star game and your favorite player, right, would play and you would, oh, man, I can't wait to such and such and such and such. And then you would see who would win the NBA, you know, MVP of the game. And, you know, you would see those things, right? And then suddenly I was there and it was like, okay, this doesn't seem right. <laughs> you know, it just, you know, you know, it was like, I remember sitting there with my parents and it was just like, wow, how did, how did, you know, how did I get here? And um, again, you know, you look and you saw all these great players and you saw all these great coaches and, you know, it was, you know, I'd always dreamed of playing, but then suddenly I saw, the the marketing and all of the business things that come with the nba and why great players and how they carry the league and you just saw it all it wrapped up into the weekend so it it, it was it was fantastic loved it enjoyed playing and again you know you stepped out on the court and i remember i was thinking wow what what a moment you know for this young kid who just i just wanted to have a chance to play in the nba let alone a starter in the NBA in the All-Star game, that was uh, that was that that was a treat. That was just an added bonus, right? Uh of playing in the NBA. Certainly one I um I'll always remember and cherish. But again, I was able to do it with all of my friends who came up, drove up from Iowa, all of my friends from Chicago, and of course my 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 family came up from Detroit. So it was great. It was a great location for me. I know most people like to go to warm weather cities, but for me at that time, being in uh, Minnesota was great because it, it was close proximity to being in the Midwest where I'm from. So uh, it, it was uh, it was it was fantastic. And my memory of that uh, that all star game was sitting under the basket. And Isaiah J.R. Ryder won the dunk contest. With <laughs> Remember that under his leg? And yeah, 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 and yeah. Just, I mean. That was just a magical weekend, and I just remember, this is how old we are. Uh, we had uh, uh, 
was it uh, Malim Balik from Blossom and all those kids running around and Chris Cross and all those people that were there Chris part of that Cross. week? Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we're in our clothes backwards and things yeah. like that. And uh, we lost Troy for a second. And I know, Troy, you wanted to follow up uh, the question as far as the agent. Uh, throw that in real quick because while we still have him, I'd be interested who he's representing, Troy. You, re- you represent some notable clients, including Derek Rose. In your unbiased opinion, is he a Hall of Famer? Well, yeah, I, he is a Hall of Famer. And the reason I said I can't recall a player, at least right off the top, who has been the MVP of this league, been an all-star multiple times, and is not in the MV, you know, not in the Hall of Fame. So I think Derrick Rose is an MVP. I think what he's done for this league being the youngest MVP ever and what he's been able to achieve uh, throughout his career and being year 15, uh, which is a feat in and of itself. So I think he is a Hall of Famer. I mean, he is just a terrific young man, a phenomenal career. And, you know, you just have to think what his career I mean, he's achieved so much. He had an amazing career and he still has years to play. But you just always have to think, you know, there's some players like, you know, when you think, what if Grant Hill doesn't get hurt? You know, Brandon Roy, for instance, is another player. You know, Bill Walton, you think, you know, his career due to injuries. And then then you think, man, if Derrick Rose, you know, what could have been? And uh, he was he was just. Man, he was just such an incredible, incredible athlete. What he was able to do. I mean, he just he he captured your imagination how he played. He played with such energy and the way he attacked the rim. When I watched this kid, John Morant, you know, he remind he had some similar things that he does, the way he plays. He's a high flyer as well. They're different players, obviously. But you just have to think, you know, what could have been. And uh, so I do think he's a Hall of Fame player. I think he's had an amazing, amazing career. Injuries are part of the game. We've all sustained them. And uh, and I, I tell you what, I, I've never been prouder of a, of a player for the injury that he did sustain at the, you know, in that moment of his career and be able to come back and really – really figure out how to, you know, really transition and, and really figure out how to play a different way and be a very effective player. So um, I, I, I really believe that he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, what he's been able to contribute. And uh, certainly, certainly, you know, the respect that he's gained from his peers and the fans throughout the world, I think speaks for itself. And BJ, you know, you, you know what it was like to have a long career. So I watch him on that bench, not playing – due to injury mm-hmm. or whatever coaches and then now we hear yeah, is he going to go to lakers for westbrook i mean how do you mentally help him as an agent how do you help him to deal with all these things that suddenly he didn't have to deal with before because he was the man yeah i i think everyone gets caught in you know it's kind of like when you go watch a you go to the movies right you go to the theater and you go to the movie everyone's watching the movie from the viewpoint of the leading the lead character, <laughs> you know, everyone's watching the, the game. You know, when you step into this professional life, you have to understand the business you're walking into. And as much as everyone has this dream to be the player, right? You know, no one goes to the, to the park to practice their defensive slides. No one goes to the park to practice taking a charge. Everyone goes to the practice and goes three, two, one, they make the shot and you run off and everyone's screaming your name. So, you know, he's, he lived that. And that's, that's, that's rare. Okay. Everyone dreams of being the star, but truthfully speaking, 90, probably 5% of us are role players that come into this league. (laughs) That's, that's how it is, right? There, there are exceptional elite players, the Larry birds and the Kareem's and the late Moses Malone and Elgin, late Elgin Baylor and Wilt Chamberlain and all those guys. But most of us, you have to find your role within this business. So I think all of it happens to all of us, right? The, the, the hard part is understanding who you are as a player. Everyone can't be the lead character, but there's nothing wrong with a Dennis Rodman. There's nothing wrong with a BJ Armstrong. There's nothing wrong with a, with a Dennis, you know, a Ben Wallace and all of the great role players 
that you have, you know, look, we'd all love to be Steph Curry. But truthfully speaking, that player alone can't win by himself. And they need a team around him. So I think he understood that. And not not many go from the leading character to a supporting character and be able to flourish in both. So that's a testament to him because that, to me, is what the business is all about. At some point, every player that plays in the NBA was a star player, right? Whether he was a star in high school, he was a star in college. He might have even started off as a leading scorer on a, a team that didn't win a championship. However, when you play this game and you get a chance to play and, and if you get a chance to win, we all become a role player in some capacity. And that, to me, is what this business is all about. And you got to figure out where you fit into that. And once you accept that, you know, you can go on to have a 10, 11, you know, 15, you know, year career, you know, watching LeBron James in year 20. I remember when he first came in his league and now I'm watching him now. He's a totally different player, but it's a beautiful thing to watch because we all evolve. We all get there. It's just a matter of accepting where you're at at any given moment during your career. Well, you mentioned him, so I got to bring him up. I, we could probably do a half-hour show on him, uh, but the worm. What, what was it like to be a teammate? How much of that was a show? How much was created? And, and you know, how, how would you describe that guy? Yeah, you know, I did never play with Dennis. I played against Dennis for many years. I, I will say this, you know, the distractions, the hair and the tattoos and the earrings and all those things, that was the distraction. That was, you know, that was that was part of the show. You know, there's a thing in the NBA, and I and I learned a long time ago. They don't call it show show, and they don't call it business business. They call it show business. Okay, and Dennis understood that better than all of us. Okay, he understood the show business. He understood basketball, and he understood where the two met. And, and and if you got distracted with the hair color, if you got distracted with the earrings, if you got distracted with the tattoos, but never forget this. Dennis Rodman came out and got 20 rebounds a night. Dennis Rodman was without question, if not the best defender in the league, he was certainly one of the, he was one of the most elite defenders ever in the history of the NBA. So when you got caught up in all the other things, you forgot how good he really was and how dedicated he was. He was one of the most well-conditioned athletes I've ever seen. So he understood show business. You know, he understood it. He understood it better than most of us. And he never, ever allowed that to get in the way of what he was there to do. And all that was going on, yes, it was fun. It was fun to watch. What is his hair going to look like? What new tattoos he got? He was the bad boy, and he did all these things. He dated Madonna, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. But he got his 20 rebounds. He always guarded the other team's best offensive player, and he won games. And without him doing all those things, all of the other stuff never worked. So, you know, I tip my hat off to him because he didn't let allow that to get in the way of what he was there to do. And that man won, what, five championships or something? I know he won, what, two in Detroit, three in Chicago? Okay, and all the other stuff was just part of the act, <laughs> you know? But how many people could actually do that? So he was one of the great players, okay? Not just he was a character. Yes, he was a character. He did have personality. He was very... You know, a lot of times you, you wanted to see what he was doing. Who was he dating? He he understood that. I mean, the guy was what he, he was getting married and I don't he was doing all types of things. Right. <laughs> he wore a wedding dress in New York City. Going but, to Korea, meeting. Uh, with Tim he's doing all, all types of stuff. But <laughs> the fact remains, he was an excellent basketball player. And I'm telling one of the best players I've ever seen, one of the best players I've ever played against. And he understood that everyone couldn't be a star. And he was a star in his role, though. He was one of the star role players I've ever seen and accepted that. So in his own right, he was phenomenal, very deserving to be in the Hall of Fame. And uh, it was it was great to play against him because he was one of the great competitors of all time. And speaking of hair, 
we got a commercial for you coming right up. We'll come in <laughs> and wrap up, put a nice little bow on this show with uh, the legend, man, BJ Armstrong, joining us tonight. Uh, don't go away. You're listening and watching Geary, Stein, and Steven. We told you all year long, and now we have to holler. We ruined all our Merry Christmas, Pete. Merry Christmas, Mom. I think there's one more present for you. It's a Manscaped package with lotions and sprays and trimmers. And where's the lawnmower? There's a note. Dear Pete, may you have a Merry Christmas and a smooth New Year. Oh! Shop now at manscaped.com. There's still time. There's still stocking stuffers if you want to groom everything down below. I, I love the product. It makes my beard look good. Uh, BJ, you didn't have any of that kind of stuff back when you, in your day where, I mean, you guys had a razor and people would do your hair and stuff like that, right? I love the commercials. I'm not a big commercial guy, but you have the greatest commercials I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. Oh, by the way, BJ, uh, speaking of uh, commercials, uh, I think I remember I've got one up my sleeve for you. Oh. <laughs> Do you remember you and Dan Marley uh, putting this thing together? <laughs> so we're watching a lego uh, commercial uh, i find legos egos offensive because i have no legos but uh <laughs> do you remember doing that thing <laughs> yeah i do remember i do remember doing this well that must I have do. been fun i mean you know uh, not many guys get to, to have commercials like that so um i had to put you on the spot a little bit you've been such a good sport uh, i know i, I know it, it's so embarrassing you know my colleagues at work they pull this stuff up my kids see it yeah, my wife sees it she goes what, what were you thinking like i don't know i was I, did you guys I just, just look at each other and go i mean there's no real reference to the nba you can't wear logos you can't do i know i know, you know? it's it's just the things we do, you know? So, hey, I'm part of the show. I'm part of the show. It's show business, right? So uh, that's part of it. Uh, but if it makes you laugh, and, and everyone has made fun of me, so uh, it's been a good a good commercial. Real quick story about that commercial. I hadn't seen that commercial like in 20-something years, and and someone sent it to me, and I reposted it uh, here on my Twitter feed or something, and and whatever it was the egos is that is it whatever it is the legos or lego my ego or something whatever it is egos they reposted it and I, it wasn't like the funniest thing it's like it's like it's like they're still following that commercial so uh you know shout out to egos maybe dan and i could do a follow-up you know <laughs> with that yeah that is there is there a high fiber version now for us old people that has a lot the Metamucil yeah. Egos, right? I don't think I don't think anybody will be. I don't think anybody can uh, jump in the air. I couldn't even land. Like looking at that landing, my knees are hurting right there. Uh, but no, uh, it would be a high fiber one. That would be really funny, though. That would be funny. I got one last question before we let you go, and I'm sure you probably talked about this in the past. Uh, but can you compare Jordan versus LeBron and your take on uh, you know who is who, who is the greatest of all time? Well, wow, that, that's a that's a big that's a big question. You say you know the greatest of all time, right? When you when you say the greatest of all time, first of all, you better have you better have your history correct. You better have watched every game, every minute, <laughs> okay? And you better be able to, you know, talk about the equipment, the gyms, the floors, the the arenas. The, the rules of the game, the coaching and all of that. Right. And, and no one's qualified to do that. Now, in saying all of that, every era can make their argument. Who's the greatest player? OK. 
when you look at the numbers of Wilt Chamberlain, what's your argument? <laughs> what is, what is your what is what's your legit argument on why he's not the greatest player? You 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 cannot a man average fifty points a game, and then tell me he's not the greatest player of all time. The man played in every minute of every game plus overtime for an entire season. Now we can't even get, we got load management now. <laughs> okay. So this is, this is like, uh, for me as an ex player, as a person who had an opportunity to watch many of them, meet many of these players and play against them. I'm going, okay, how can you really say who's the greatest? Okay. So then you look at Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Are you really going to tell me he's not the greatest of all time? How, how are you going to tell me he's not the greatest? Okay. Then you start looking at Dr. J, who played in the ABA and, and all of these players. Okay. Magic Johnson. Guy went, to, went, guy went to eight finals in the 80s alone and won five. Why isn't he? Why isn't he the greatest? Okay. Larry Bird, why isn't he the greatest? Now, Jordan, wow, right? Not one, you know, three-peat. He did it twice. Okay. Now, Jordan is unique in this aspect for me as an ex-player. He not only was the best offensive player, he was the best defensive player. That to me holds weight. Okay. He just wasn't the greatest offensive player. And yeah, he get and he should get all the accolades, 30-something points a game, da-da-da, da-da-da, da-da-da. Right? You can pull up all the stats. Defensively, though, is where he was just like, he was a cut above. He's cut above everybody else. He he and he did that consistently throughout his career. So technically speaking. As a player now, it's not enough just to watch a guy score points, okay? And I've seen some phenomenal scores, right? You know, you see all of these great offensive players, and certainly there's a number, and, and you're seeing them today. However, when you see a player that is probably better on the other end as he is, or just as dominant on the other end as he is on the offensive end, now you're talking about something that's different. Because what Bill Russell did – and winning 11 championships, what's your argument for why he's not the greatest player? Because you got to put some respect on this game. So out of respect. Hey, boy, I could throw George Mikan back in there you from can, another era. As the you, game can throw, has, you can throw all these guys. You can throw the all these evolved. guys. The game evolves. I think we'll, there, you could always have that Mount Rushmore of whoever's. We know who the top four or five are. But yeah, we you can never the argument, however. Yeah. Now, you say, well, you know, you're watching the game today, okay? So you're watching the game today, right? These guys are shooting threes and the way they play, and they're amazing athletes. You know, when I watch LeBron, he is the greatest. He's the greatest of this era. Who's going to argue that? Like, he's the greatest of this era, okay? But if you watch Kobe Bryant, you're saying, why isn't he in that conversation? Or that Certainly. guy from Golden State that shoots from midcourt all the time? You can make all of these <laughs> arguments. You know, I've seen also unique players like Shaquille O'Neal, to me, probably should have been the greatest player <laughs> just because of the size and the combination that he had. Right? You're saying coulda, woulda, shoulda, oughta. Who could stop him? Okay? He was bigger, stronger, he was a bigger, stronger athlete than any athlete I've ever seen. And that I've ever seen, right? Jordan included. So you can make all of these arguments. LeBron James should be the best player in this era. But for you to say and, and put all those other players and you put them all on the floor, hey, that to me is what makes this great. Everyone can argue, but out of respect, I can't say that because – Bill Russell, okay, you don't win 11 championships by accident. You don't become Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. That's not an accident. Magic Johnson, all these guys, Jordan, it's not an accident. 
Tim Duncan is another name to me. How could you not have him up there? The guy wins what? He goes to the six NBA finals and he wins five. When you say five greatest players, Tim Duncan won more games in the history of the game in a period of time than anyone in, ever in the NBA. So if he's not on the Mount Rushmore, then who is on the Mount Rushmore? Okay, so all of these things, I just say, who should be considered the greatest of all time? All of these players. I don't have to say this guy is better than this guy, but I can certainly say this. When you put the combination of these players on what they were able to achieve on both ends of that floor, it becomes clear to me. It becomes clear. Okay. You know, this isn't, you don't play, you don't play just the whole game on offense and you don't play the whole game on defense, but the combination of the players who were able to dominate on both sides of the ball, that to me, as a, as a player, as an ex player, as a person, you know, I'm still learning the game as well. I don't consider myself an expert, but I do consider myself well rehearsed and understanding and respecting this game. Defense wins. That's what wins in this league, <laughs> okay? And I know we talk about offense and we talk about scoring and we talk about all of these things, but when you're able to dominate on both sides of the ball, there's only a few players that have done that, okay? And that's the homework assignment for everyone. <laughs> just, just go... And, and, and it will become clear to you who is should be on that Mount Rushmore. You don't win by accident here. You don't beat a team four out of seven times in a in a playoff series by accident. You know, in, in, in the NCAA tournament, okay, you got hot for 40 minutes and you can win a game, right? There, you can get an upset. You're not going to upset someone four out of seven times, <laughs> you know, to, to win a, a to win a, a, you know a playoff series. So. You know, shout out to all of those players. It's amazing players watching all of these guys. You know, it's a thrill of a lifetime. And most importantly, they're the best in the world. But when you start talking about the greatest, then it, it, it'll become clear to you as you begin to comb through it and, and see how dominant a player can be on both sides of that ball. Because it's only a few that can do that. Uh, just a quick follow-up question: That how how different your would your game be today? Um, how 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 different would my game be if I was able to play in this era? Yeah. Um, well, this era is interesting, and because one, I would have to retrain myself how to think in this era because what I considered a, a bad shot in my era is a good shot in today's era. <laughs> you know, because these guys shoot so quick in the shot clock. I don't I don't know how I would be in this era. I really don't because I learned how to play the game totally different than the, the way they play today. And because of that, I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could just come down and just like these guys just come down and just shoot. <laughs> OK, they just come down and just shoot from distance and that's encouraged in today's game. However, I don't, I, 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 it's hard for me to watch. Like I love watching Steph Curry play because I've never seen a player shoot and play with that much freedom from that distance. So it's like a, a, a new learning curve for me. Like I can't imagine playing with the players I played with, and I just came down and shoot from like the hash mark. <laughs> and everybody's like, good shot. Like that doesn't even register to me, whether I made it or not. Like, you know, I played the game a totally different way. So I don't know how I would play in today's game. I don't, I don't, I don't, because first you gotta have the, you know, pro basketball is different than playing as an amateur. Amateur, you can depend on your physical talent. As a pro, I got to figure out how to play with the other, you know, four people on the floor and we got to play with the purpose. I mean, because I'm a pro, right? I, I, my goal as a pro, or at least when we play was every time come down, every time you play or every time you come down is to get a good shot. 
well, I don't know if those shots today are good or bad, but these are the shots that they are encouraged to shoot. So I really couldn't tell you how I would play in today's game. I, I would be, I don't know. I honestly, because I can't see myself doing that. I don't even know what that would feel like to just shoot that early oh. on. Well, BJ, we're so glad you spent a little time with us tonight. And, uh, you know, we're glad our audience is listening and watching. We hope you guys will start catching us on yourhometv.com. You can catch the episodes of Gary Stein and Stevens and watch our new friend BJ Armstrong and see what he went through in the NBA. And uh, if you're sitting around at home during the holidays, just type in yourhometv.com. Check us out and listen to us and watch because we have fun. And I know, BJ, I hope you had some fun with us tonight. Yes. It was wonderful to have you be a part of our show. We didn't embarrass you too much with the Lego <laughs> commercial. Ego commercial. I say Lego. I'm Lego. Lego, Ego. I don't Ego. know. It's something. Whatever. But uh, thanks a lot for joining us. Uh, Troy, final thoughts? I just want to appreciate you taking time out of your busy evening to join us. Thank you, my friend. appreciate it. Hopefully we can do it again. Absolutely. And don't forget, there's still time to fill your stockings. Go to manstate.com, get 20% off by using the GSS show code. You can shave your face, your lower area, and she'll like it too, as Frank Thomas says. And of course, Fresh Clean Threads. You can watch me dance. I'm wearing Fresh Clean Threads tonight, of course. Thank you to our sponsors for that. Another 20% off if you shop there. And of course, if you're going to be eating crap all through the holidays, you're going to want to use AG1, Athletic Greens 1. Go to athleticgreens1.com backslash GSS. You'll get vitamin D for a year and all kinds of goodies and things like that. So for all of us, our friend BJ Armstrong joining us. Uh, BJ, hope you and your family have a wonderful holiday. Uh, are you sticking around California or what are you doing? I'll be right here. Right here, my friend. Right. Getting a little sunshine. Getting a little sunshine. Yeah. And you guys are getting the snow. So it's a good trade-off. All right. Again, continue to follow us on all social media platforms and wherever you watch podcasts or watch us on YouTube, Facebook, or everything. So for BJ, uh, BJ, were you teased a lot as a kid from that TV show, BJ and the Bear? Yes, I was. Yes, I was. One of my favorite shows, though. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed Greg Evigan, starring Greg Evigan, a little known fact. But uh, so for Troy, myself, Will, who's on assignment, Happy holidays to everybody. Thank you for being our friends. Thank you for following us and watching us. And again, thank you to three-time NBA champion, BJ Armstrong. Happy holidays, everybody. <laughs>